with us tonight because this is the first time we've had to cope with a very big meeting. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Joan now. To, she's going to deal with some of the uh, technical side of things. Okay, just a few comments then. First of all, can everybody mute themselves so that we don't get the background noise and then unmute yourself when you are going to be speaking. If technology fails in the office here at uh, Castle Park House, then the meeting will need to be postponed and it will be cancelled. If technology fails for attendees at this meeting, then Fodgham Town Council will not be able to assist you with any of your technical issues. Please keep your microphones muted. This is at the bottom left of the screen if you're unsure. Um, this meeting is being recorded by audio and, uh, audio and video. Uh, so if you are a member of the public who don't wish your uh, information or mugshot to be out there forever, I suggest that you turn off your video. If you want to remain uh, Without your name on the screen, then you could re rename yourself. If councillors wish to speak, please could you indicate either by using the reactions button on the bottom right of the screen or by raising a hand or any way you can to attract attention. Details of the candidates for co-option have not been published as this will be contrary to section 40, regulation 13 in the GDPR Act 2018. This has been confirmed by the Information Commissioner's Office and the Cheshire Association of Local Councils. That's all I've got to say. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Joe. Well, turning to the agenda then, um, apologies. I can see we've got a full house anyway, so... I'm assuming there are no apologies. Judith, yeah. Andrew is trying to attract your attention. Oh. Ah, sorry, Andrew. Thanks, Judith. Uh, Lynn Riley is almost certainly not going to be able to make it tonight as at a different, as, as a Cheshire Western Chester meeting. So I will change hats on that particular item for you. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Um, Phil? Um, Helen's not here either, is she? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm not seeing her on my screen. Give, give them a wave, Helen. Oh, there she is. Sorry. Screens fill, so uh, you might need to scroll over to be able to see her. Yeah, it's all right. She's appeared magically when I did some scrolling. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Um, right now, then, agenda item 173: declarations of interest. Now, this is for anything that is on the agenda. Andrew? I'm a chairman of Castle Park Trust, uh, executive in that capacity, items 174 and 183. I don't intend, there is a vote on item 183, I don't intend to vote or, or part, I'll happily participate in the debate, but from the standpoint of the Castle Park Trust chairman. Okay, thanks Andrew. Anyone else? No, but I reserve the right, Judith, if anything does come up. Thanks, Molly. Lucy? Yeah, member of Greengate's Community Project, which uh, goes with item number Ninety. Play area. Yeah. Ernie, you, you need to unmute yourself. Member of Greengate's Community. Thanks, Bernie. And me as well, Deborah, member of Greengate's Community. Thank you. So that's all the declarations of interest. Yes, can I, can I just reserve the right if anything comes up and that I've forgotten about? Certainly. Thanks, Thanks Molly. Molly, please. 
Right. Um, so we're moving on to agenda item 174, uh, public speaking time. And I think we've got a couple of people that want to speak here. Um, who's, do you, have you got an order, Joe, for them to speak? Uh, uh, Ryan asked first, so um, if Ryan goes first. This yes. is Ryan Edgehill. It is. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much. Um, yeah, so first of all, it's essentially just to put some clarity um, on the premises license application uh, and what the actual rationale behind it is. So in practical terms from Castle Park Live's perspective, uh, nothing's really changed. So our application and what the reason why we put the premises license in is really just on, on flexibility, to be honest. So the event's been rescheduled from June this year to June next year. Um, we applied for a 12-month premises license that lasted a 12-month period. And that was really on the advice of the licensing officer at Cheshire West because it gives us the flexibility should anything happen like it did this year, we need to reschedule for whatever reason. We can do so without incurring any additional fees um, for licensing, such as advertising newspapers and the £100 licence fee. Um, that's how it was explained to us from Cheshire West. It just really streamlines the process and it's just a bit more of a cost-effective way of doing things, um, especially within the sort of uncertain times that we're in. Um, and to further clarify, it, does, it doesn't mean that we can put live music events on every weekend throughout the year, which is not our intention, nor do I have the capacity or want to do so. Um, and it also doesn't prevent anybody else from applying for a license to use Castle Park as a venue for, for whatever they want to do, um, which has been reiterated to uh, a few members of the council and also um, it's been clarified in email to me by the uh, head of Cheshire West Licensing. So don't want anybody to be under the impression that it means that Castle Park Live has sole rights to Castle Park because it doesn't. And it also don't want anybody to be under the impression that we can just rock up with a stage and a bar and do whatever we want when we want because really should know that that's not the case and Andrew will probably uh, clarify on that case because I'm sure he'll have something to say if I rocked up in Castle Park with a stage and a bar every weekend so just wanted to clarify that really um, hope everyone hope that kind of puts everyone in the uh, in the picture so our full in, you know our intention is essentially the one event 19th of June 2021 beyond that we've not really got any other um, scope or inclination to really do anything at this time so thank you Okay, thanks, Ryan. Um, our second speaker is that Mark Rowland. Yes. Yep. Over yeah. to you, Mark. Yeah. Hi, Julius. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, just for people who don't know me, my name's Mark Rowland. I'm the um, co-owner of um, Tributes on the Hill Festival. It started at Frodsham Festival down in Ship Street in 2013, and we moved out of the town. On. Um, to a better location basically which was a bit more rural and doesn't have any neighbours. Um, what I want to talk about is an objection that I formally put in writing on the 8th of July to council to object formally about the alteration to the um, license application that was made by Castle Park Live last year. It's now gone from one day event from starting from two o'clock in the afternoon to ten o'clock to a three-day event and Having known the applicant for a significant amount of time, I know it's his intention to go against everything that we've created at Tributes on the Hill and create a three-day music festival. And that is the sole reason why that application has gone in. And I can assure the council that I stand by everything that I said in the letter that I sent on the 8th of July 
that is the case. So what I'm here to say is basically just in support of the letter that I wrote to all the councillors on the 8th and asked the council to formally object to the licence application, amended licence application, um, and the potential failure that will happen if that three-day event goes ahead. So it goes along with all the antisocial behaviour issues, public safety issues, and, and I know that the intention of the applicants is to do this. The applicant's got no experience at all. In fact, Castle Park Live 20 would have been his first crack at events of this state, at this size. So I formally asked the council to lodge a complaint against this objection, against this um, license application. And I'm open to any questions about anything, but I stand by the letter that is sent on the 8th of July, which everybody's read, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for that, Mark. Um, I, I mean, it's on the agenda. We will be discussing it later. Um, Thank you. Thanks for your time. Do you have anybody else to talk in public speaking time? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, then well, we'll move on to 175 um, PCSO. Um, Neil can't be with us tonight, but he has submitted a written report. Um, don't know whether we need to read that out, Joe, whether you'll just attach it to the minutes. I, I will attach it to the minutes. It will be on the website. Okay, lovely. Thank Joe? you. Can I make a comment, please? Um, on PCSO report? Yes, please. Okay. On the paragraph traffic-related issues, um, they, Neil talks about the new Smiley Sid um, and that it's out now five days a week. Um, we did say we would like to see some data on that, coming back from that. Yeah. I think Judith yeah. and Mali. Um, and I now am going to be working with a gentleman on Kingsley Road who's not just looking at Kingsley Road, but he's <clears> looking at the holistic um, impact of traffic on Frodsham. Um, particularly, we've, I think we've all appreciated what hap has happened during lockdown. It went very quiet. It was lovely. You could even walk in the middle of the road if you wanted to. And then gradually we've got back to more or less where we were beforehand. And the new SID collects data. It will tell you um, an awful lot of analysis that can be done with the data that it collects. And I think that would be very useful to us. I think, um, um, Joe, jo, we've had an action from um, the PPR committee for you to arrange a meeting with um, PCSO and Community Feedwatch to talk about the kind of statistics that we'd need. I'm not aware that I'm arranging a meeting, no, sorry. Right. I'll, I'll look back and see where, where we discussed it. It might have just been one of our informal meetings. Yeah, I think it was at the last P, um, PP&R meeting. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's then for the PPR committee. Judith? Yeah. Can I just ask the council to send a vote of thanks to our PCSO, Neil Flanagan? Um, he made the sacrifice of not living with his family um, all during this period. He's only just recently gone back um, so that he could carry on his service to Frodsham and that he could keep his family safe. So I think uh, we owe him a debt of gratitude. Yeah, that's, I agree with that. Joe, could you minute that, please? Yes. Thank you. Right, now on to the, the big issue of the night, our co-option. 
we have four candidates here. Um, now, normally, at, at a normal meeting, we would vote by a show of hands, but that isn't practical with our um, doing um, Zoom meetings. So what I've agreed with the clerk is that we will ask each councillor in turn to name the candidate they want to vote for. And if there isn't a clear majority, we'll re knock out the person with the lowest number of votes and vote again. Now, Joe, can I hand over to you to read out the names of the candidates, please? I've got them here in alphabetical order. So the first one we will take is Mike Harrison. Right. Next candidate. Is Ryan McEwen. Then Pauline Lowry. And then Andrew Wilmington. Right. Okay. So do you want me to ask each councillor or do you want to do that, Joe? Uh, yes, please. I was uh, the impression that each of the candidates were going to be given a couple of minutes to speak. I inquired about it previously. We we decided. We agreed. That... I think no, we, we agreed that we we've got all the information and we've yeah. had it since March. But this is because this is such a difficult meeting, being our first virtual meeting. We've had plenty of time as councillors to consider uh, the four candidates and it's just not practical for them all to speak tonight. So, um, so let's start with our three councillors that are in Castle Park House. Um, Councillor Neil, could you give us the name of the candidate you want to vote for? Uh, Ryan McEwen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Frank Pennington, would you give us the name of your candidate? Ryan McEwen. Ryan, okay. You got that, Joe? Yes, thank you. Um, Pat, can we ask you for the name of your candidate? Yes. Uh, can I abstain? Please. Am I abstain? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, Bill Griffiths. Uh, Ryan, Ryan McEwen. Thank you. Um, Bernie Wade. Uh, Pauline Lowry. Thank you. Uh, Lucy. Um, I'm also going to go for Pauline Lowry. Uh, Mally. Uh, Ryan McKeown. Andrew Dawson. Uh, Ryan McKeown. Um, Helen. Ryan McEwen. Deborah. Pauline Lowry. Uh, Donna. Ryan McEwen. Caroline. Ryan McEwen. Um, where's Bill on? Bill Stockton. We lost Bill. Yeah. <laughs> right, so that's 13 votes that we've got, Joe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got 11. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
Two dicks is not soapy. Right, but I would also like to vote for Ryan McCown. McEwen. Sorry, Ryan, I'm not sure how to pronounce your surname. So, who have Okay. In that case, uh, we have a, a, a clear person with the most votes, which is Ryan McEwen. How many votes did Ryan get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. So that's a clear majority. It is. Um, Ryan is uh, co-opted onto the council. Ryan, you will take a position at the next council meeting, but obviously you'll be kept informed and be given all the details before then. After this meeting, I'll get in touch with you tomorrow with regard to filling in forms and what other information we need to do. Okay. Thank you. Thank Chair. Just you do have... please. Just let me say thank you to the other three candidates who've not been successful this time. Um, there's every chance that we'll be having another co-option soon um, with um, Liam Jones resigning and hopefully they will apply again. Okay, Molly. Um, just to say that we've got a meeting on Wednesday, Town Clerk. Is it possible to get all the papers signed so that Ryan can be instilled on Wednesday? He, he can... Um... Yeah, we'll we'll sort that out between us. But yes, thank you. Uh, Bill Stockton is just waiting to come back in the meeting, so I shall just admit. Okay. Thank you. Have we got him back? Hello. Hi, Bill. With the voters now being taken. Oh, sorry. it's okay. I apologise. <laughs> Um, can we then move on to agenda item 177 that uh, is to confirm uh, Councillor Phil Griffiths is joining the events committee so do we need we don't need to vote on that do we Joe? it's just no, it's just to confirm thanks Phil it's lovely to have you on the events committee thank you um 178 just to note the report of the retiring mayor Councillor Liam Jones, and uh, he has a report. There's one, I'd just like to point out there's one error in Liam's report. Um, fourth paragraph down, he said he was delighted to host the first Mayor's Civic Award. I'd just like to point out that Councillor Poulton was the first mayor to have his Civic Awards back in, was it 2016-17, Mally? 1617, yeah. yeah. But other than that, that's all I wanted to say um, on that. Anybody else have anything on the, uh, the mayor? Thank Just to record our thanks to Liam for his service as both a councillor and as our mayor for the, the last year. Okay. And chairman of the uh, planning committee. Yeah, yeah, true. And then do we move on to consider to appoint a mayor for the period the rest of this civic year, August 2020 to May 2021. Chair? Yeah? Shouldn't we be asking the Deputy Mayor whether she wants to take the role because uh, constitutional-wise, she takes over when Liam has uh, resigned? Well, it's, it's really it's over to Caroline for us to know what she wants to do. Uh, 
I didn't know what this item was. Uh, this item wasn't anything to do with me, so I wasn't sure what it was going to what was going to be discussed on it tonight. So I still have quite a few questions I want to ask, um, and I want a bit of thinking time, please. Okay. But you will appreciate. But you will appreciate, Caroline. The well, town the, can't. Yes, in the interim, I will. I will be mayor. If there's anything that the mayor has to do, I will do it. Session. Okay. Thank you. Um, right, agenda item 179 to approve and sign the minutes of full council for the 27th of January. We do that one first, 27th of January. Can we have it? Mally? Proposed. Uh, Frank is seconding. All those in favour of adopting the minutes as a true record. Um, it looks like we're all in favour of that. Can't see Bill's. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. And the minutes of the meeting held on the 5th of February. Um, proposed. Phil's proposing. Uh, sorry, sorry, who proposed? Phil. Me, Phil. And Frank has seconded them. All those in favour? I'm in favour. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Thanks, everyone. Um, Moving on to 180, uh, Ship Street Play Area, to receive a report from Councillor Hayes on the options appraisal. Over to you, Helen. Do you want to unmute yourself? Okay, so I've just submitted four papers. Um, hopefully, councils will have had a chance to uh, read through them. Um, just as an update, I've just logged all the decisions already made by councillors to date. Um, I think the next steps um, that we have to do is we have to get a meeting again for the uh, for the group to come together to agree the assessment questions, including the weightings that we want to use, um, agree the information that we require um, for each of the options and in what presentation format we'd like that. They all have to be done in a relatively similar way so that it makes it easier for the evaluation panel to answer the same questions and agree the future timescales and milestones, obviously, we would have been done and dusted by now. Um, unfortunately, uh, COVID-19 put paid to that. So we just need to agree some realistic timescales for um, making those decisions. And one thing I have said as well, just finally, is just a review of those independent evaluation panel members. Obviously, timescales have changed there. We had two acceptances, two refusals. So I think we just need to review that list um, and go back um, to those people and any new independents that we want to invite along um, with more information and obviously the new timetable that, that we're going to set forward. So next stage from my perspective is coming together as a group um, via Zoom or, or any other methods um, for those members to come in and have a look through the assessment questions and, and yeah. Start, start steaming ahead again at full pace. Okay, so it's, I take it then you're going to organise a Zoom meeting fairly soon for all those that want to be involved? Yes, I'll do that via Joe as well. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I uh, don't think we need to discuss any of it now, do we? It'll, it's more for the group to discuss. <laughs> it is, it's just to provide an update really. Yeah, uh, Lucy? I'd just like to add that there are things that I would like the opportunity to add into that. So if we can talk about it all via the Zoom, then that's fine. We don't need to 
uh, debate it all here. But yeah, we can set a date for the Zoom. That'd be that'd be good. Yeah, that'd okay. be great. Thanks, Lucy. Okay, so we can move on. To, um, <laughs> finance. To approve the finance report for June that uh, Joe has produced for us. Everybody happy with it? You've all had a chance to look at it. Yep. We accept them. Okay, so that's a I'll second chair. So that's Frank proposing, Mally seconding. All those in favour of accepting the finance package. Uh, looks like we've got that. Are you voting, Caroline? No. Okay. So are you happy with that, Joe? Did you see all the hands hand that were raised? Yeah, so have I just got one abstention on that? Uh, I'm, I'm abstaining as well. I haven't had time to look at it, sorry. So Caroline and Deborah are abstaining. Okay. Judith, can I just make a point? Yeah. Uh, the version of the accounts on the website has got certain lines redacted. Unfortunately, the redactions are not very effective because I can read through the redactions. Um, I look to if we, if we do if we mean to redact, we do it properly. If we don't mean to redact, yeah, okay. Another one for Joe. You need to get a. a can I just ask? Are you are you happy then for me to pay for an add-on to the uh, PDF facility that we've got so that I can redact using that? I think so. Yes, I think you should. Yeah. Is it? It's not terribly expensive, is it? No, I haven't looked for a while, but no, it's not terribly expensive. Yeah, I think, yes, just to cover ourselves. Right, so we've got to note expenditure during June was £28,110.87, pence. income £1,680. Uh. Uh, so we need to, well, we've voted, haven't we, to approve and sign the accounts to include bank reconciliations, income and expenditure. Is that, do you want a separate vote on that, Joe? No, no, I, I don't. I can include it on the first vote. Um, uh, and I will just note that we will actually physically sign those pa papers when we're able. Okay, thank you. Um, now the next thing is to look at our, um, here you go, annual governance and accountability return. Uh, there's a lot of questions that we have to go through on section one. Um, I think, are we supposed to read each one out, Joe, and agree that we've, we've met that requirement? Uh, you, you can do, if you've got that in front of you. I can see that Andrew has <coughs> something I would like to speak. Yeah, sorry, Andrew, yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't think we can sign the... Uh, governance statement for 1920 because the final question at the moment says not applicable for ch charities and what have you. Well, to my knowledge, we do have at least three, three. charities, certainly two, three, what have you. And um, therefore, if we, as we do have them, the tick should be in the yes box if we are sure that we actually have complied. Uh, some of you may know, I did ask for the charities to go on this agenda if for no other reason than to make sure that all members had the opportunity to understand that we do have these charities and we have separate charitable obligations in respect of them. There's also issues about how well they are funded and what assets that they hold. But as I say, I believe the answer to question nine, as it stands, is wrong. 
Joe? Can I speak there? Uh, yes, I, I agree with you. That box had been incorrectly ticked by the, uh, uh, the auditors who did the audit on the RBS system. I can amend that. Just on the subject of charities, there are three. There's the Friends of Hob Hay, which has a, a bank account with a balance of 1000 £385.22 in it. We have another called the Frodsham Recreation Grounds and there is £1,656.60 in that account. And then we have the Overton Hill Charity which has no bank account. Um, the last returns to the Charity Commission were done on the 20th of January 2020 and the Council has met all its obligations with regard to charitable trusts. Right, okay. Andrew? Judith, I'm not happy with that. I'm not saying Joe's done anything wrong here, by the way, but I think it's important that those charity accounts be formally signed off by this council in a full council meeting. And I'm, I have no reason to doubt that there's been virtually no movement on those accounts, probably for years. No. Um, but I think it's important that they are actually, they come here and are presented and signed off. And really we can't sign off this uh, tonight until we've actually signed off the charity accounts. Okay, I, I don't have a, an, an issue with that if you want to bring this back to a full council meeting. My only issue is that um, obviously I've, I'm uh, maintaining deadlines that the Audit Commission are, are giving me uh, with regard to when the council's accounts need to be submitted for internal and external audit. What I can do is submit our accounts to internal audit before you've signed off the documents. The documents, however, the, my deadline for submitting to uh, Little John for full audit is the 30th of September. But right. I suggest that we would have an extraordinary meeting just to sign that off, just quite a short one at a time when it's appropriate. Can I say, uh, we could have an extraordinary meeting to talk about the charity accounts, at which time we then can sign them off. But I think we need more than a short meeting because there's a whole ruck of learning that needs to be passed on to people to understand how we should be more proactive in managing them. There's also questions of there may be funds there that others that we might want to use on other charity schemes. And it might be worth just factoring all of that in. Can I, just, can I just point out as well that the Friends of Hob Haywood is a very active account. Yes. Because of all the work that is being done there. Plus they, they are applying for grants and they've had money put into the account. So um, it, it, that account needs going through. Um, sorry, the, the account that the town council holds for that trust, for that charity, is not the same as the financial oh, account. Uh, this is the one that's, that's been dormant and we wanted to inherit and we couldn't. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure why, I mean, I'm not sure why the money couldn't have been taken out of that trust and used to fund the activities of the uh, Hob Haywood Friends. We did look at that, Judith, and it was extremely complex and that's why we didn't do it in the end. We just set up a new, that's why the, the name is slightly different. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I think we asked Joe then to um, do a little bit more research on these trusts and then call a meeting for to discuss it. Right, I'll, I'll aim for that to be within the next fortnight, if that's okay. Fine, yeah. Thanks, Joe. So would we, shall we leave the second part of the agar until 
I would rather I'd rather you didn't because it has okay. no connection with the well it oh. does because it's part of the agar. Okay. But um, it doesn't relate to charitable trust. It's, it relates to the finances and the money within the bank. Right. So it's everybody. Yeah. Could I make a, a suggestion on the agenda of that special <laughs> meeting that we converse with Councillor Dawson um, as he is um, au fait with uh, what we need to discuss? Yeah. Would it, would it be possible, Andrew, for you to put a report together before the meeting so that everybody understands what the implications are? I will do my best, but that's a hell of a undertaking you're asking. That, that is not a five-minute document. That is a lengthy, complex matter, which is why I, I'm more than happy to take people through my understanding. Uh, but I'm here merely as a counsellor. I'm not here as a lawyer. The fact that I am a lawyer is a hindrance to lots of things. I'm rushing back on my council Zoom meeting. I'm on one of these Zoom meetings. I'm very clever. Yeah. Can you pick up on Thursday night? Oh. Joe, just, just scrolling down the list. All right. right. <laughs> right, so just a reminder to all of you that if you have to walk away from your screen, please make sure you mute yourself before you go. We don't Sorry. Want your conversations. Okay, so... Well, I think we need to talk about this outside of the meeting, Joe, about the trusts. I don't, I'm not sure what the issue is, if these trusts have just had nothing done with them for several years. The money is just sitting there gathering dust and not very much interest. But it, whether we can wind them up or whatever, I don't know. But that, that is for a separate meeting. Now, the second part of the AGAR is the one just with the, the balances, um, income, expenditure, etc. Um, that all looks fine to me. I've read through it. I don't have a problem with it. Anybody else have a problem with page two of the AGAR? No. Okay, well, can we have a proposal and a seconder to accept it? Proposed. So Phil's proposed it, Frank's seconded. All those in favour? So Lucy, yeah. Caroline, yes, we've all voted for it. Uh, Bill? You yes. Have? Yeah, lovely. That's carried. Right. Um, right, now we've got this licensing application to talk about. Um, there's, there's been various bits of information that have come in over the last few days. I think um, when I first saw it and I had a meeting with um, Pat and Mark, our concerns were that this was, as we thought, an annual license. What has been confirmed by the licensing officer now is this is a permanent license and it will only sort of go if the license holder ever decides to give it up, which again to me is even more of a concern than just being an annual license. Uh, Ryan has said he only wants to hold one event, he doesn't uh, plan to hold lots of events. So I'm not sure that it's um, it's sensible to have a permanent license for um, a large part of Castle Park. Over to you. Anybody else got thoughts on it? Judith. Yeah. Yeah, I have thought I was worried about this. Um, Andrew might correct me. Um, I don't know. Um, I saw the address as Castle Park. 
I would have thought for a licensing application, it would have been to the business address. Um, and I'm not in favour of giving carte blanche every year, year on. It says plays, it says music. It's all right saying we're not going to use them. But there again, what if somebody does use them? So if he only wants an event, as he said in the interim period, for one day in Castle Park, why doesn't he just apply for that licence? Lucy, yeah, I would just like to say that those kinds of events sound quite vibrant and like the kind of things that would actually be quite nice to have in a town. So uh, I just, I'm really understanding why people, you know, vibrant things that could bring money into our town, it could bring people in, I don't really object. Lucy, the issue isn't with the one event that Ryan it was it being a permanent license, that's the issue. Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. The thing that could have been something is if it prevented somebody else from ever being able to do something, but since that's been clarified by Cheshire West, um, that that wouldn't be the case and it wouldn't prevent anybody else from putting something on. I, I don't see an issue myself. Bernie? Can I just ask Ryan a few questions, please? What, no, with the public speaking time's finished now. So we, we can't bring members of the public back in. To the but meeting. we weren't allowed to ask questions when he was speaking, so how well, can I... the council that has to make a decision. I just wanted to clarify a few things. What, what is it that you need to clarify? Well, I just needed to clarify because um, it was said that Ryan wanted to put on three-day events when he himself has said that he he's no intentions of putting a three-day event on. Right. I, I can't see why there's a problem with him having a license if other people can also apply to have a license. I, I think the issue is though that with a permanent license, you know, it's like a license for a pub. It, it's there, it's permanent, and the, it's difficult to get a license revoked without, um, you know, strong evidence of, of problems. Um, Can I just add, I think we're in an area that none of us completely understand. Um, and that really we should, have, I don't know whether Andrew's got anything that he can say, because again, he, he's wearing perhaps two hats here. And I don't know whether you're allowed to speak on it, Andrew, because at the end of the day, Castle Park comes under the trust. Um, or can I suggest that we, we get the person who's granted the license, the chief licensing officer, to come to a meeting with us? Because, we, you know, this is an area that I have absolutely no knowledge of whatsoever. Um, you know, and I don't actually know, you know, what the difference is. And if it's Cheshire West who've made the recommendation, I need to understand that. And if they've said it's cheaper for them, so that, you know, if somebody, you know, Brian wanted to put another um, event on, he doesn't have to be charged again. I mean, because during the year, it might be that you then decide you're going to do something at the Christmas the following year. Um, so I just need to, I, I feel that this, this, this is a topic I just don't fully understand and appreciate. Okay, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, I remind you of my declaration of interest I made and I'm speaking from the standpoint of Chairman of Castle Park Trust Executive uh, now. Well, there are a number of things to 
bear in mind. The first is that Cheshire West do not own the park, they are simply a charitable trustee for the park. And the grant or otherwise of a license is entirely separate from the grants of permission from the trust for an event to take place. So even if Cheshire West has licensing authority granted the license as is being applied for, the trust might simply say, no, you're only having one event or so on and so forth. One of the things that's most important to the trust is to ensure that we have excellent neighbour relations. And it doesn't matter who wants to put an event on. For us, the key thing is that the event must be sustainable and it must be manageable within the envelope of the park and must be done in a way that doesn't cause unreasonable interference with the lives of the people who live, particularly those who live surrounding the park. And that's absolutely non-negotiable. And it doesn't matter who it is who comes and asks, so can we have an event on in the park? They will hear me say exactly the same things. And it's really important, particularly as we are trying to grow an income stream at Castle Park, that all the events that are put on are done, are done in a way that keeps the neighbours happy and, underst and understanding and part of what's going on. It would be a disaster for the Trust if an event became so difficult, so unpopular, that there was no public support for events to go on in the park. We estimate that we've got a gap in revenue, about £100,000 a year. The aspiration of both Cheshire West and the Trust Executive at the moment is for the Trust to become more, if not totally, independent of Cheshire West. Um, if we are to take over the maintenance of not just the house but the gardens, we will need to raise another £100,000 or so in revenue to manage that. With us having a void in terms of the ground floor at Castle Park House at the moment, the Trust is losing money. We need events on. It's the only way that we can start to plug holes in our finance. So it doesn't matter whether it's Ryan or Mark or anybody else. If anybody comes to me and says, can we, can we put an event on in Castle Park? Providing they can meet the safety criteria, providing they can carry it out with respect and, and would have you for all the neighbours, and it will work well. And crucially, it will raise revenue for the trust and they will clear up properly afterwards, and so on and so forth. The answer is going to be yes, please. Uh, because we need to bridge this revenue uh, uh, issue. But also it's actually good, and as, as Councillor Sumner says, it's actually what we really need to have in, in Castle Park. So I'm absolutely neutral when it comes to who is going to, wants to put an event on, providing they fulfil all the criteria that will get them a, a licence from Cheshire West, and crucially, permission from the Trust, and they'll give a return to Castle Park Trust themselves, we're likely to say yes, but the neighbours have got to be looked after. Thanks for that. Um, Chair, I, yeah. I just don't want to see us go down the route that Mark Rowland's had to go down um, because it, uh, his event on Saltworks got bigger and bigger every year and it got to the stage where the residents um, of the Waterside Ward were not um, keen on the event, particularly the parking issue. Um, and I can only see, and I'd like to hear um, possibly from Castle Park Ward councillors what their uh, thing is. I just don't know. I've dealt with licences all my life, and I don't know why you just don't apply for one licence for your one event or a 10 for your special event. And now we're very fortunate to have a licensee on the councillor so we can all learn off Ryan. Donna, then Phil. Can I, I've had my hand up for quite a while over, Judy. Sorry. Good I, I, I don't know if you can see me. And Mark's had his hand up as well. Okay, so um, am I speaking now? 
I don't have an issue with the event going on in the park at all. My concern is the fact that one person will have a, a license, one group would have a license, um, a permanent license. I don't think that's fair. And I don't think it, it, it may put, uh, it may put up barriers to other people putting, applying for licenses and, uh, licenses and putting on events. As for the event itself, I don't have an issue with it at all, as long as it's within the guidelines and boundaries that Andrew has commented on. Phil? As a Castle Park councillor, I've already had feedback from um, a couple of um, residents saying that they, they're concerned about the state parks left in after these events, and, and they're also concerned about there being a three because the application does mention three day events and that's not what they want one day events fine three too much i'm only basically saying what they're saying and from that point of view and to support my if you like constituents i i would be voting against it right deborah <clears throat> um i think that it should be he should be able to get the license whether it's permanent or not because as Andrew has stated on behalf of the Castle Park Trust that anybody who isn't going to be doing anything that's good for the park they won't be able to hold the event so obviously each event is going to be taken um, one at a time so it doesn't stop anybody else from holding events because um, the person that's applied is having a, a permanent one it just means that he doesn't have to keep reapplying. It makes sense to me to have these events on Castle Park. And I actually back onto Castle Park and I welcome it. I think it would be great for the town and great for the community to have these events, whether they're one day or three day. I think it's a good thing. With Mark, did you want to speak, Mark? Yes, please. Yeah, of course um, we had a meeting with uh, Mr. Edgill and another gentleman, named something right now. And I came out of there with open mind as to which way I would go. So I thought I'd just ask people in the ward what they thought. And the consensus of opinion was they had no objection to having the event, but they have concerns about the 12 month fights. Too many open ends to it. it in my opinion, I, I don't know. I know Mr. Edgill said there won't be events held, but I'll support the event, single event, but I will not support the 12-month license, uh, which we, most of my residents I spoke to do not, not, not want to support. Okay, thanks, Mark. Pat, do you wanted to speak? Yeah, I do, because obviously the Castle Park Council, it is most important to all our residents, because I do know one of the councillors agreed that initially it was a good idea. So that's why myself, Mark, had a private, and Judith had a private meeting with Brian, because we wanted to find out what our, our concerns were, obviously, the licence. Now, the understanding I got was that it, <coughs> the person at Cheshire West who I think should be involved, I agree with Caroline, I think we should get more yeah. um, information from her herself because she advised, or didn't advise her, and that's her own word, 
but told Brian that they could apply, um, not for the single license for that one event, but they could have it for a 12 month. So I honestly, unless I've got the wrong idea of what the conversation was, I just thought it, they could have other events during that 12 months, or if somebody else wanted to use that license, they could approach Ryan. And I didn't honestly realise it was a permanent license, so I do think that puts a completely different light on it. And at the end of the day, I'm a councillor to represent our ward, and also, as Andrew has suggested, that the residents do obviously make a big difference, because if it did become like Friday, Saturday or Sunday, we would have mayhem because um, it just get out of hand. I'm not a, I want to, I was looking forward to the event because I think it is what everybody would like, but also you've got to have sort of, um, make sure like uh, Mally was saying, things can get out of hand and it's a shame, but I do know when Ryan was telling myself and Mark and Judith about what they got implemented, the security, the security, et cetera, et cetera it sounded very, very well organised. But the only issue I do have, like Mark said, uh, was under the impression that it was only going to be for a 12-month period. Not just, I know it wasn't just for the one event, but it was told they could have it for the 12 months. I didn't realise it was a permanent one. And I do think that Cheshire West should uh, be letting us know exactly what their policies are, as regards when they're licenses. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Pat. Joe, you wanted to add something? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I circulated this that came from Alison Jackson, who's Lead Officer Licensing Authority today, uh, and she confirms that if the application is granted, it stays in place until such time as the premises licence holder surrenders the licence. Therefore, they can use the times and days on the premises licence through the year should they wish <coughs> The applicant can only operate within the premises license if their application is granted. There can still be other applications for premises license and temporary events notice from other organisations. As Andrew stated earlier, anybody who applies for a premises license will also have to apply for a temporary event notice to go alongside that license. So it doesn't prevent any other organisation from using that same facility. Okay, Bernie. I think this has got a bit out of proportion here. We're assuming that he's going to put on a three-day event. He's not actually said that he's going to put on three-day events. He has said that he's got the license for the year because it was financial reasons. He can't just rock up and have a party in the park without having permission from Castle Park Trust. Or I would imagine Frodham Town Council, he would put it before us as well. No. I just, well, if he wanted to, he could, I'm sure. Can, can, we, can I just clarify though, what we're here for as council is to represent the community, not the business. Now, I totally enough, agree, I totally agree. We've got a beautiful park, it's got a lovely space and it needs to be utilised and I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, I'm, I think we're all pretty much happy with the one event. Um, and, you know, Ryan did tell us at our meeting that he hadn't got any plans to put any other events on. So why why go for a, a permanent license? Because as he's um, had haven't we, that's messed things up and there's <coughs> things in the future that cause complications that mean date changes may need to happen. 
and it could still be the same event, but it could potentially happen. Yeah, but that's, that's again, that, that is representing the business, not the community. We're here to do what the community wants us to do, not what we personally want to happen or what, you know, to protect the business. Um, if, if Ryan only wants to do one event, then he needs a license for that event. He doesn't need a permanent license for years and years and years. But as you said, Judith, it was a financial decision that he was advised to do. I know the advice came from Cheshire West. But, but how, how higher can you get than that, if that's what they said? Yeah, but we have, as a council, we have the right to object. And if the community want us to object, then we should listen to what the community is saying. Phil? Uh, can I propose that we actually ask the licensing officer to come to um, a meeting fairly quickly and explain the rationale behind what's going on. And then perhaps we'd be more enlightened about what the license actually means. We're, we've all got various um, different opinions about what's going on. I've had feedback and um, council, sorry, councillor Neil, Neil, et cetera, have also had feedback from residents in the area and they're not happy so as, as a councillor, as much as I'd like to see events at Castle Park, I have to take into account what people are telling me, and they're not happy. So unless we can get some reassurance from the licensing authority about how this is going to work, I'd, I'd, I'd be in the interest of my, you know, my residents, I'd, I'd just have to vote against this. Well, it was clarified in the email, Phil, wasn't it? It's been clarified today. Yeah, but that, I'm still not happy with what that clarification says because there's nothing to stop Ryan from having three an, an event every weekend if he wants one. He says he doesn't, yeah, but he could. Order, please, Joe. Um, I, I'm wondering if we sh we could ask the licensing. Uh, I, I can ask her. I, I I haven't got the application in front of me at the moment, so I don't know what the deadline is. They are very, very stretched at Cheshire West and officers are working from home. Um, I, I really am not confident that you would get a meeting at all or that you would get it within the time frame when you need to make a decision on this application. Well, can we have a meeting on Zoom? It's wrong that we're, we're being asked to make a decision on behalf of our residents that we don't understand. And I, I would abstain because it, it's not fair on us. We have, taking the business aspect out of it, we have people to look after. We only have to look at what has happened in our town during lockdown and the vandalism and the antisocial behaviour we've had. Mm. We know that the potential is there, so we understand what our re what what our residents are saying. I'm not saying that Ryan, you know, he will clean up afterwards. It's a, a different scenario. But what what I don't understand is why Cheshire West are recommending to him to do the licensing the way they want him to do it. Can I the just... only way we're going to get an answer is to have the licensing officer in front Okay, well, I think we've probably talked about this as much as we can. Joe, Judith. Joe, just hold on. Joe, the deadline was the 30th. 30th. Of um, can we ask Cheshire West if they are willing to uh, defer a decision on this to their next planning uh, licensing meeting? I'm assuming they meet fairly regularly. 
I don't know what the town council are not a statutory consultee on licensing applications so there will be no obligation for them to do that but I can ask the question if that's what you wish do you also want me to ask whether Alison Jackson is prepared to meet with councillors on zoom um, I think it would be certainly to have a licensing officer to, to talk to us um, Andrew <coughs> I suggest that you treat this like a planning application and therefore a simple vote yes or no isn't really good enough. Uh, if there are objections, for example, they should be reasoned, they should be statements supporting what it is that is found objectionable. If you support, obviously that's not required. Because if you're going to ask um, Cheshire West to adjudicate this on a licensing matter, they need to know more than whether it's just a matter of we just don't like what's being suggested. Or whether it's more along the lines of actually it's acceptable but we're worried about a b c d e and at least then they are directed to consider those particular matters but if i can just assist you you've already heard this licensing application would grant the license for events generally in the year but only one event is planned it makes financial sense for all the parties, Cheshire West, and for the applicant to put it in this way. However, he needs more than that permission. He needs permission of the trust as well. So it's not, not like you would be recommending carte blanche because that's not the situation. That's not what you're dealing with. What you're dealing with is the application on its merits. And if you want to object, I suggest you do it with reasons. If you don't want to object, you don't have to. Right, well, thanks for that. I still think, Joe, um, because there are some councillors here who want more information, if Cheshire West are willing to defer it to their next planning uh, licensing committee meeting to give us time to uh, find out a bit more about it. Uh, do you still want that request for an officer to attend a Zoom meeting? I think it would be helpful if one of them are prepared to do it. And the reason you want them to attend is to explain the licensing system. I think so, yes. We need to understand the implications of having a permanent license, um, especially when it's a company, a private company, that has no connection with Castle Park. I think we need to understand why it's a permanent license and not a one-off license. That's the issue. And I think just saving the company money is not really a strong enough reason to do it. No. I don't think it's just about saving the money, it's about the the possibility to reschedule something if something went wrong, because from what I was reading, um, you have to, if something changes, yeah. and you've only got one event licence, you would have to wait a full 30 days to be able to put in for a new one, from what I understood, right? I don't if think, had, no. no, I don't think that's true, it only no. takes 72 hours. Not speculate about the reasons why. Well, that's, that's what I thought them, I on the government website. None of these issues are relevant to what the community wants. It's all about what the business wants. And I yeah. don't want to make things difficult for the business, but our priority here is to represent the community, not the business. You have to represent the whole community, Judith, not just Hassel Ward. Exactly. Oh. Oh. Right, okay, but oh. we're here to represent the community. So, Joe, if you could ask if we can have a, a delay. Um, and yes, if, I shall do that. If they say no, then I think it's down to us as, well, maybe if, if it's asked, we have to meet that deadline, then it's up mm. to individuals to put our 
project or supporting because we've run out of time. Unless you want to take a vote now as to whether we um, object to the, not to the event itself. We can say that we support the event on the 19th of June next year, but we object to a permanent license. No, I think we should go with like Caroline said, if we can get some clarification, then everybody will feel better. Yeah. Uh, through the chair, I'd just like to say I agree with Caroline as well. I think um, we really need clarification on, on what is really involved because, frankly, I don't think, well, we all have differing opinions, but I also think that we need clarification to understand what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Ryan's just put his hand up and wants to speak. He might be, the, you can contribute, Ryan, hopefully. Well, no, because we've, uh, we've already said that members of the public can't come back in. Oh, sorry, Ryan. Um, but we could suspend standing orders and let him speak if we wanted to. Well, I think we've, we've already agreed a course of action now. I don't think it's worth um, arguing on this one anymore. We, we want input from the licensing officer. Okay. I think common sense should prevail and isn't Ryan, doesn't he hold a license himself? Could he not throw a bit of light on this and help us with it? No. And he is, and he is a new I, I think we draw this to a close now. We need to move on. Yeah. It would just take a couple of seconds for him to... Um, it goes against standing orders. Moving on to agenda item 184. Compass. We're up to over 70 vouchers. Um, we've had a report that Liz has put together for us. You all had a chance to read it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was quite surprising, the, the low uptake of vouchers in Waterside Ward. Mm. Um, and, you know, I wonder why that is. Maybe because we, uh, we always push um, advertising on social media the website and facebook rather than the uh, you know hard copy thing but and maybe it is just the demographics of the different wards maybe we have a lot more old people in castle park ward so no, i think there's a lot of there's a lot of elderly in um in waterside ward i don't yeah. think everyone receives a copy of frontier life i think maybe that contributes to it as well yeah, I think we as councillors really promoted it this year. I think yeah. the thing is, is that, um, Chair, if you look at um, where, the where the replies come into, the majority of replies come in from Frodsham Life. Um, but Councillor Pennington and I, for ages, have said that um, it needs to be more saturated i think waterside ward we're not we're not doing them a courteous no i think it's something that we, we perhaps should be thinking about how uh, how we are going to promote this year's over 70s vouchers um and there's quite a few that you know that, that were never cashed in but anyway that we've had that report now at the um, PPR meeting. Uh, Chair, yeah. Andrew wishes to speak. Hi, Andrew. Uh, thanks, Judith. Uh, I'm, I'm going to touch on this 
um, when I get to the Cheshire West report in a moment or two, but one of the interesting facts that emerged through the COVID work is that there are some 14,000 people in the borough who are shielded. And of course, the shielding is about to come uh, to an end for them. I, I mean, obviously, a, a significant proportion of those people will be people who are over 70. There is a database within Cheshire West for that. And it may be possible that we can gain access to the database for the people within Frodsham who fall within that shielded group. And I don't think we can take the decision tonight, but I think it might be a nice gesture to consider extending the uh, over 70s vouchers to those who fell within the shielded group as well. Um, and, and there will be some overlap inevitably, but there will also be younger people who will be in need of love and affection and assistance from the community. And it might be a nice gesture for us to do it. So if the numbers are modest, I would make that suggestion, but only after we've had the conversation with Cheshire West. The good news is, of course, should we have the names and addresses of those people and they should be accessible to us potentially or via Cheshire West. The, the only problem that we have is, you know, because of uh, data protection, you know, we, we can't sort of slip into other um, databases of information. We can only do it for reasons that it's been registered for. We um, can ask Cheshire West to uh, contact these people and point them in our direction. Well, that's something to think about. One of the, the things that we did discuss at uh, Policy Process and Revenue Committee was that because um, our senior citizens have had such a very bad year with COVID, that as a one-off gesture this year, whether we should increase the uh, Christmas voucher to £15, and you know at least they can have a little treat after all those um, months of lockdown. Any views on that, Bernie? I'd just go back slightly to the application forms. Is there no way we could leave application forms in, say, in our district, like the spa shop or something like that? Okay. Library. We several... drop them off there, but do they actually have them in there? No, they pick them up there as well. Right. I mean, I've no objections to posting them through doors in my ward, just to make sure that everyone has got one. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it isn't as simple as that, really. But yes, we do have drop-off points. The churches, the post office, um, so several shops. Um, I just you know, thought it might be easier if we have a direct contact with councillors just posting them through all the bungalows, say, you know, in the area. You, you have got to be careful, though, because you don't want to uh, get people who are under 70 thinking that they are entitled you know, it does have to be very clear that it's targeted at the over 70s. Well, I mean, if they pick someone under 70 could pick a form up in the spa and fill it, couldn't they? So, you know, that really isn't an argument, I don't yeah. think. I mean, I don't have a problem with if any councillor wants to um, drop um, application forms off. I know I have a few um, elderly residents near to me and I always make sure they know about it. So, you know, it's, it, it may just be that... Uh, we, we have the lowest number of um, over 70s in, in Waterside wards. So, so um, should we consider increasing the it's 15 pounds for this year? Have we yeah. got funding? Yes, money. Yes. Well, I mean, we've not budgeted for that, but we did. We've not budgeted for COVID at all. Um, you know, we need to make it clear that this is a one-off purely because of the, the months of uh, lockdown. Yeah, the, the other thing, 
we will have the funding because there's so I know just by the events committee we're not spending any money so that we could then let our residents have the benefit of it. We also allocated about five grand to the COVID fund so we could take some out of that. Andrew? I think the answer is not at the moment and the simple reason is I think we shouldn't make that decision tonight. I've, I think we should have a more detailed debate in relation to it. I've already suggested that we should extend the eligibility. I think it's wrong for us to consider granting more money to one particular part of society without thinking of the other part. So is there something we oh, um, should do for the youngsters who've also had a hard time? You know, and I think if we're going to, we're going to do something, we should, have, we should do it on a balanced plate. I don't take this decision tonight. Can I, I'm, I'm, hold on a minute, please. Can I go back to Joe? Joe, what is our timetable for um, getting some vouchers printed and the application forms? Because we, when we looked at it, we were, didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, off the, off the top of my head, I really couldn't say without looking in the files. But uh, cer certainly, if we're going to have uh, a, a meeting uh, with regard to licensing, perhaps we could follow that up after with uh, a meeting to discuss this one item of over 70s. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Frank, did you want to say something on it? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm... I'm totally against what Councillor Dawson said. I think the, the old people this time have gone through it. And if you remember, why there's not been as much last year was a simple way is the money's paid into the bank and, and people wasn't informed down, down where I live. Not one of them informed. I agree with Andrew and I think there's a, a lot of people that are disadvantaged with the COVID-19 and I think that we shouldn't make any decision until we've looked at the numbers of eligibility and see you know, if we need to extend that to younger people and disabled. Bernie? Um, yes, over the 70s are you know, deserving of something but you know, the Halloween party is having to be cancelled. We're not having the Christmas fair thing, you know, uh, festival as we usually do. So I think maybe something for the children as well needs to be considered as well as the over 70s. I think we need to discuss it as a whole. I think we're, we're losing track here. We've always on the council given an over 70s voucher as, a, as instead, and Councillor Pennington will correct me if I'm wrong, we've always given it instead of a luncheon. Yeah, you know, right. before, yeah. be, before you know it, I mean, I'm talking to somebody who's been shielded and I've been well provided for, thank you very much. So I know those people that are shielded have had the um, gifts that's been given them. I think we're going away from what we as a council have always said, and that is that we give to the over 70s every year. Because you look at what we give to the youth club, um, every year and Andrew and Lynn gave a large amount of their members budget last year on one members of society so I just think it's levelling up but please don't take it away from our over 70s. I don't think we were suggesting to take it away I think we wanted just to debate the increase for this year. 
Okay, so we're going back to discuss this at the meeting that Joe is going to organise. Yeah. So you put that on the agenda for this uh, meeting that we're going to call, Joe. Yes. I, I, I just think that we, the timescales were rather tight because of, um, you know, of getting the, the vouchers printed and the application forms and getting it advertised. So we can't leave it till the last minute because just distri distributing them is a, is a big job too. Okay. Moving on then, 185, social media policy. That's it, the other one on there as well, social media. Yeah, the two, there's a press and media policy and a guidance for members which I've circulated. Yeah. Those are the two documents that currently stand. Right. Uh, whether we need to update these or not. Um, I think um, it's, it's a timely reminder that as councillors, we can't just say what we like on social media anymore. We really do need to think about what we're saying, especially as we are councillors. Muted. Thanks. Okay. Well, I wondered where that was coming from then. It wasn't me. <laughs> so it's just whether, you know, we, we do need to, particularly the social media one, whether we need um, a little bit more clarification in there on the kind of things that we should and shouldn't be saying. I, I've learned over the years that I generally just stick to putting information on there, providing links, not having opinions. Um, and I think, you know, there's been a lot of opinions flying around over um, the government guidance on COVID. Um, anybody got any thoughts on it? Yeah, you've only got to look what I do on Facebook and I say it's my personal opinion and I never prefix it with the council. Yeah, I think because people know that you are councillors, then you know, they, you've got to make it clear that it's, it's your own personal opinion and not, you're not talking as a councillor when you put personal opinions on there. I think it's important to be able to engage with the public, so I would, I would vote for keeping the policy as it is. Sorry, couldn't hear you, Lucy. I think it's important to be able to engage with the public and that's kind of how you get feedback on certain things. I think it's an important thing to be able to have. We do have a policy that's in place that says help you to be careful in certain ways, but I would be wary of restricting that too much. No, but I think what uh, we're talking about is you have a personal opinion and we as a council have a council opinion. And it can sometimes get blurred on who you're speaking for, whether you're speaking on behalf of Roger Down Gampton or actually Lucy or Green Gates. Okay. Well, Sorry. If, it's, um, if it's me, just speaking as me, then it's, it's quite clearly me because it's my personal account. People know I'm a councillor, but that's me as a councillor as one sixteenth of the council doesn't necessarily mean that you speak unanimously to everyone. I, I think it's fine as it is myself. But. Bernie, did you want to say something? Yeah, I just think um, I, I, I use, obviously, I use Facebook quite often and, and I do rent on Facebook, but that's from me. It's, I don't ever put Councillor Bernie Wade 
people might know that I'm a counsellor, but that is my account and that's my views. And I think it would be quite damning if people haven't, can't put their views simply because they're on the council. It's not detrimental to the council. I just think it's, it's what you think yourself. Okay, so nobody wants to change social media policy. You don't want any clarifications on it. Donna? Um, I think it's really important to actually, um, on I, my, my Facebook account is private for that one reason, because even if you do say you are uh, posting in a private, in a private, these are your private thoughts, people will still attach them to, the, to you as a councillor and therefore can bring disrepute to the council. Um, I have to sign a social media policy for my employer so that I can never disparage them publicly. And I think it's very, it's, it's a lot of people very easily just say, God, she's a counsellor and she's saying such and such and such and such. So it's very important, I think, to make that different, the, the, the difference known. But I think like you, Judith, I've learned over the years to be um, careful about what I actually post because it can be misconstrued and I think people should take that on board not that you should be you, you should be muzzled either but I think you should be very you have to be very aware that um, your personal opinions can be very controversial can I just, That's it. Can I just say something I fully agree with what John Dallas just said because I think it can cause world through Facebook I'm not on, personally on Facebook but um, they do, people associate you with the council, whether it is private or not, your private thoughts. And I do fully agree with what Thomas just said. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I mean, it's, it's been a worthwhile discussion. Um, we all take on board, you know, those concerns. Um, but for the time being, we will we'll not amend the policy. Okay. Now, to turn to the, the press and media policy, that really is something that rests with the town clerk and her staff. It's not really for us to be talking directly to the media about council matters. So just, just to reiterate that, everything should go through Joe. And I, I think that I think that the policy is okay. That just you know, important to remind ourselves from time to time that we do have these policies. Okay. Um, just one point, Judith. Um, if we're going to post anything on Frodsham Town Council website, um, something was written, um, which I never saw before it got posted, and it had quite a lot of errors in it particularly with reference to names of people and um, what they had contributed. Um, I would like to propose that anything that goes on um, the town council website, whoever has suggested or the, the town clerk seems knows that they've had an input to, um, that it is run past them because there was quite a lot of offence made um, by the, the, the person the names that were put on they were incorrect 
Um, and when I actually met one of the people, they, they were quite offended that pe people have been thanked who hadn't actually had an input to it. Uh, well, I think it's important if you want something to go on the um, council website. I know I do it and I know Mally does it. We, we actually say what, you know, we, we write something ourselves and then hand it over and leave it to, to Joe and Liz to edit as appropriate. But we, the salient points we give to them. So well, I wasn't, to be honest with you, Judith, I wasn't asked. Um, I provided the photograph, um, but, um, you know, it, it, it just took some time to get it on. And um, it would just nice to have been to see the draft so that I knew that the facts were correct. Okay, well, I'm sure uh, Joe and Liz will take note of that. Um, okay, um, can we move on then to 186 grants? Um, just to note that we've revised the scheme and the closing date for applications. I think um, we decided to, we would normally launch it in August, but we're doing it a little bit later because a lot of the groups that are likely to apply for grants have not been meeting, they're starting to meet again now, so it's giving them a little bit more time to put in their grant applications. So. Um, right, on to uh, Y87 office reopening. Over to you, Joe. Okay, well, you'll be aware that I've done a, a risk assessment as to the office, when it will open and what will happen. Uh, the plan at the moment is that Cheshire West have requested that uh, reception staff are back in to provide services for the tenants fairly quickly. Uh, I've agreed with them that they will be back in on the 3rd of August. Uh, most of you will know that we have two receptionists who work part-time. There's never an occasion when they're both in the office at the same time. Uh, Cheshire West have done a partial um, installing of sanitizer, etc. in the building, but that's not being completed. There are sanitizers there, but there's no sanitation liquid in it. There are stations there for hand towels and various other things, but none of that has been supplied as yet, but I believe that it is on its way. I'm also in receipt from Friday of the risk assessment on Castle Park that was carried out by Cheshire West and Chester. Um, I can circulate this to you all. It's quite a lengthy document. But uh, the first issue relates to the opening of the building, where Cheshire West have said that there needs to be some existing controls whereby only essential people and those undertaking critical business activities will be allowed to visit site. This will continue to be reviewed in line with government guidance. As lockdown restrictions ease, staff who cannot reasonably work from home may be allowed to return after individual consideration and approval. It goes on to list various other things which tenants need to do, which I won't uh, go into. Um, it does say here, staff and tenants who are cr critically clinically vulnerable should still work from home where they are able to do so. Staff returning to work are only allowed to do so where it has been determined that their tasks are important to the company and cannot be carried at home, carried out at home. Obviously, this will be uh, revised and changed as things move on at the moment not all tenants are back in the building um, i believe that most will be back by the third uh, but the offices are all carrying out staggered return to works to limit the number of people who are in the office at any one part one time um, reception staff will need to carry out track and trace uh, so that we know who's been in the building and what's been and 
uh, so that we've got that information. That information I understand we need to keep for 21 days, after which time it can be destroyed. But again, I'm seeking clarification from Cheshire West on that. They haven't provided at the moment any standard forms for reception to use to record the details of people entering and leaving at the building. And they haven't confirmed yet whether we need to do the same for tenants in the building. Is it anybody who comes in through the front door? As, as yet, I'm not receiving clarification. Um, various other things have been put in place, but again, the whole of the risk assessment hasn't yet been complied with. Uh, there are no hand wipes, there's no hand sanitizer. There are supposed to be paper cups available for staff only in the kitchen. Uh, so I, I will be following this up slowly. Um, but it will be a while before anything returns to normal and councillors and uh, will be encouraged to make appointments when they need to come into the building so that we can ensure that we can meet safely. Uh, just as an aside to that, the, the, at the moment there are various contractors looking around the ground stairs of the building as Cheshire West have gone out to tender for alterations to the building that may need to be carried out if uh, the school that's intending to come here comes. So uh, there will be certain areas of the building that are out of bounds anyway, and we will lose the use of the main meeting room fairly quickly. Thanks for that, Joe. I did have a quick look at if you sent me the Cheshire West risk assessment. Um, I think they've gone way beyond what they should be doing. It's not for them to tell tenants how to uh, manage their own uh, COVID arrangements. You know, I think it's up to each tenant to decide which of their employees should be back at work or not. Um, uh, we had a little chat the other day about our own staff. And, you know, I, I said then that regardless of all these things that Cheshire West are promising to provide, that we should provide that for, for all of you. You should have your own personal um, hand sanitizers. The advice, advice from the insurance is to use paper towels, not hand dryers. Etc. Joe, uh, just, just to confirm, we do. I have put all that in place for the staff within the office. What I can't do is provide that for anybody who happens to come into the building. So oh, no. it's just for uh, admin officer, reception staff, and myself. We yeah. have gloves, we have masks, and we have full visors. Yeah, I see from that risk assessment as well. They're also talking about removing all the equipment from the kitchens. Yeah, yes, I believe that has, that has already started to happen. Um, the microwave is being removed, um, but we can bring the, um, the kettle up into the office. Yeah, I think this is it. to be self-sufficient and make sure that you all have um, all this, the stuff that you need. Um, you know, and things like um, wipes so that if you go and use the facilities, you've got something to wipe them down with before and after use so that you know that you're protecting yourselves. Anybody got anything they want to raise on that? Andrew. Yeah, Andrew, sorry. Thank you. Um, I've read through our FTC's risk assessment. I, I haven't been given Cheshire West one, I haven't read it. The FTC one, it's reasonably full, but there are more things I think we can put in and some of them Judith has raised uh, tonight. I couldn't see track and trace in our risk assessment. I couldn't see our position vis-a-vis -vis soap and hand sanitizers, etc. And of course, face coverings. I know we've got them in for our, for our own staff, but I suggest that if we are going to have members of the public or councillors turning up into Castle Park and going into the FTC office, we should be asking members of the public to be wearing face coverings. 
um, particularly as it's becoming the new norm, I think it's a, a proper thing for us to ask the public to do. And therefore I suggest that the risk assessment is looked at again and with these additional matters added. But I mean, it's a good start. But like all of these things on risk assessments, you can always find more things that are reasonably practicable to do. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a template that's been provided by our insurance. So hopefully they have thought of pretty much everything. I'm not sure that every last little detail needs to be in the risk assessment because a lot of it is, you know, you know as well as I do, it has to be suitable and sufficient uh, for the purposes. And where therefore, as it doesn't make, make deal with things like face coverings, it doesn't deal with hand sanitizers, nor track and trace, I suggest it needs amending. Yeah, I think well, face coverings are not um, relevant to offices, are they? But um, I think you've, you've put a lot of... Uh, members of the public visiting, councillors visiting, I think it is. Joe. No, sorry, I, I was just going to say that members of the public visiting, it's to, you're, you're protecting staff and, and themselves. So I, I do believe that we need to be doing everything that we should be doing to uh, ensure protection. Uh, so what I will do, I'll check how many masks we've got, exactly what socks we've got, and I'll make sure that we have supplies. And I will update that risk assessment and I'll circulate it to you all um, for you to see if there is anything else you wish to be added, if that's okay. Okay, thanks for that. Um, moving on then, 188 um, Memorial Pass. Uh, for quite a long time now, well, ever since Forest Hills got planning permission to build um, on their land, we've had concerns about the disabled path. And when the houses are built, there will no longer be any access where disabled people can park near the disabled path and walk up to the War Memorial. And for a long time now, we've been saying that we ought to um, have our own disabled path from the gates up to the War Memorial. And this has really come home to roost during the, the time that Forest Hills have been closed because they've closed their car park off for vehicles. Um, so uh, we, I think that this is now, now is the time for us to put into action the, the, <coughs> to have a, a path that is for disabled people so they can get up there in a wheelchair or mobility scooter or whatever. Um, so what I'm proposing is that we, we agree in principle to this and hand it over to uh, probably P, PPR committee to take it on board and get the quotes in and uh, you know explore what we need to do to achieve that. Phil? I'm just wondering whether it should actually be with the Amenities Committee rather than PPR? Well, P PPR would have responsibility for the memorial field, that's why it, it was there, but it doesn't really matter which committee does it. Yes, not. Andrew? <laughs> I, I'm uh, just a little bit concerned that we don't inadvertently give access to people using undesirable mo modes of transport. Um, and people who you wouldn't otherwise want to see using a disabled access, such as uh, people on scooters and the things, motorised ones. Um, I'm all for disabled access, I'm all for encouraging it, I'm all for supporting it. It's just a matter of making sure that we limit it to people who need to use it and not inadvertently cause ourselves yet a further problem. And the vandalism we've seen up there tells us that we've got to be alert to that issue. Yeah, I think we, we appreciate that and it is something that would be taken on board with this project. Um, Caroline? 
Yeah, just reiterating um, the problems that we've had up at the Memorial Field. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with the local residents. Um, I did ask for uh, it to be looked at at putting some sort of barrier in. Um, and um, because motor scooters, um, a lot of activity is going on because they can get in and they use it as a bit of a racetrack, not just during daylight hours, but right through to the middle of the night. Um, and the local residents would like to see something just to detract from them. So even if that doesn't come off, I would like to see that included in a disabled path. Yeah, as, again, as I say, these are all things that we can take into account. But I would like it minuted so that we don't forget it, because, you know, if, if it doesn't happen in, in the lifetime of this particular council, we need yeah. to make sure. Bernie? <coughs> Sorry, could you just let Andrew Wilmington know that he can't actually join in? Uh, because he keeps putting his hand up, I think it looks as though we're ignoring him. Right. Um, Joe, do you want to do that? Uh, hello, Andrew. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just being asked to remind you that you're not able to participate in the meeting at this present time. Okay, no problem. Right. Um, anybody else? Um, Mark, do you have a, anything to say on the disabled path? Agree with Caroline and Andrew. I, I would like to see the path, but it's going to have to be thought of because they have been going mad up there on scooters and everything. So I just agree with uh, Caroline and Andrew. Yeah. Frank, did you want to speak on it? It's a uh, chair. Um, I think what, what it is, if the two main gates is closed and the one on the left, the side gate, is closed and the right hand one's left open for members of the public. You can put the same as what's been very successful uh, through the walkway down uh, Saltworks Farm, the two bars that go together like a V. And it's been successful stopping the traffic and motorbikes and everything. Okay, so, we'll, we'll take that on board to uh, consider. I think, uh, I think with other councillors, I don't think me and Neil. I'll let uh, what he's done, or, you know, getting those uh, railings we seen to, we're going to let it down. No, I, I, I propose your your thing, Chair, because I think we've wanted for years. Okay, so we've got, Frank is proposing that. We've got a seconder. Yeah, I'll second it. Mark second it. So all those in favour of... Um, one of our committees taking on this project and coming up with a proposal for the path. Yes. All those in favour? Brilliant, we're all in favour of that. Uh, Bill? Could I, could I also add, if, if um, depending on which committee takes it up and if I'm not on that committee, could I join it please? Because it's in Overton and Five Crosses Ward. So it is certainly yeah. very special. Okay, um, Bill, are you okay with that? <coughs> I think it well, he's muted himself, so we can't hear Bill. We can't hear you. Okay, well, anyway, so we've got the go, the go ahead. Um, 
Well, you could ask Helen because, oh, I, I assume Helen, you're 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 happy with that because you're one of Overton and Five Crosses. Yeah. Okay. Could we decide at this meeting which committee that's going to go to so that I can move this forward? PMP. Definitely PMP, not amenities, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, I, I think what we we could possibly do, we can put it under the umbrella of CPR, but yeah. if you want to do it as a working group. That might be easier. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Would a working group be acceptable? Uh, yeah, yes, you'd have to involve me at some point when you're going out for quotes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't need to be part of that working group. You could get on with that and then come to me yeah. and say, this is what we need you to get three quotes for. Okay, it's just that we can, we can meet more frequently as a working group and then just go back to committees as and when. So if anybody wants to be on that working group, if you let Joe know, I'd like to be on it, Chair. Okay. Yeah, I'll go on it. Councillor Neil. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm writing things down and I'm not looking at the screen, so I don't know who's talking. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, Joe, just send an I'll email. circulate. And, uh, and then we can uh, take it from there. Okay, thanks, everyone. Can we just say hello to Bill? He's appeared. Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, uh, nice to see you, William. Well, I'm trying hard. I've been trying to be incognito, you know, that secret agent guy. <laughs> okay, so moving on to agenda item 189, uh, policy process and revenue committee to note the minutes of the meeting of the 29th of June and the decisions taken. Uh, we'll move that out, Chair. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, say, I, I did make a few comments to the clerk because I had to Sorry, can, can I just say that we're, just, we're noting the, the meeting and the decisions taken rather than approving? Yeah, okay. Um, events committee, again, to note the minutes of the events committee held on the 13th of July and the decisions taken. Um, I've just, um, a, a lot of our events, and Molly, do you want to give a little update on where we are with events? Just to say that we're following guidelines given by um, government in Cheshire West and Chester. We've been in touch with um, Ian Tordoff and um, getting sort of the updates. Uh, we've been told now there won't be an update till the back end of August. Um, but as far as anything to do with Frodsham Town Council at the moment, everything's been put on hold. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we, we've had one Christmas in Frodham working group meeting. We are looking at planning a fairly low key event subject to getting permission from Cheshire West. But that's where we are with, with events. Um, right, no, I think we've had a message from Lynn saying she's not going to make it. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, so um, we're moving on to Cheshire West and Chester. We were going to have a report from Lynn and Andrew. We need to What about standing orders? Yeah, we need to suspend them. Okay. So is everybody happy to suspend them while Lynn and Andrew speak? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Over to Andrew then with his Cheshire West hat on. Incidentally, I haven't got a copy of my standing orders to hand, but the last time I read them, the standing orders actually provided that the borough councillors could speak. Uh, so suspending them actually possibly makes the situation worse, but it's worth checking for the point to avoid unnecessary problems. 
Okay, uh, key consultations that are out at the moment include walking and cycling, highways, particularly highways maintenance, and in particular with regard to carers and carer services and what have you. Can I encourage you all to participate in those surveys and consultations, particularly things like walking and cycling, because it's another opportunity for us to try and get segregated cycle routes, better walking routes, better bridle ways, safe access to Hellsby High School, safe access along the River Weaver, safe access to Delamere Forest, the list goes on and on. And all these things could help and assist. And we've had a significant response out of Frodsham and the surrounding villages in responding to it. And it'd be great if we could add to them. Um, just think how marvellous it would be if we got more access onto the marshes, if the marshes had easier tracks to navigate on cycles, for example. It would mean that people could cycle from Frodsham to areas of work at Cheshire, at Cheshire Oaks, Ellsby Port and so on and so forth without needing to go in a car. If we had safe access to Hellsby High, our kids would be, would be able to cycle there. It wouldn't be having to cycle along the A56, just to name two uh, examples. So Lynn isn't with us tonight because she is on the COVID-19 scrutiny uh, board at Cheshire West and um, they are that particular scrutiny board is examining specifically the council's response to uh, COVID generally. One of the things that's happened over the time when the pandemic was declared and we had our first lockdown, there were about 5,000 people in the shielded category in the borough as a whole. Now that number has risen, as you would have heard the figure before, from five to 14,000. Now I find that fascinating because what that 5,000 was, was the NHS's original take on the people they felt were vulnerable and through a combination of people being missed off that list and by the GPs themselves being able to refer people onto that list, that figure has risen to 14,000. It's almost tripled uh, in terms of where it's been. So it's, it's fascinating to see that's, that's where we've gone. Um, in terms of continuing support, as we know that the, the lockdown is, is beginning to ease, support for the mo most vulnerable remains. Um, those eligible for free school meals will be supported over the summer period, as I'm sure many of you know. And in addition to that, there's £20,000 worth of additional holiday hunger funding that is coming into Frodsham out of about half a million pounds that's gone to the borough as a whole uh, from the uh, government. Could I just add, so Andrew, it's Andrew, could I just add that we did our first drop today as open Super. hands, we've um, volunteered sent some well we are going to use some volunteers but as the steering group we wanted to actually participate in it to see what was involved so we've been out this afternoon delivering it's quite a complicated process because they at one house i went to i was delivering eight boxes and it covered everything from flour a dozen eggs at one household had three dozen eggs um it was amazing it was like Christmas and the families were just so appreciative of, of what we were delivering even in the rain <laughs> so well done. The other, major, the other major point to mention is that the responsibility for any lockdowns or local lockdowns that are required uh, has been passed to the council um, if you look at the daily figures for COVID outbreaks uh, around us, you'll see that at the moment 
Cheshire West has a lower incidence of COVID than most of our neighbours. So Halton used to be lower proportionately and in numbers terms than us, but they've now gone ahead of us. Cheshire East is ahead of us. Wirral is ahead of us. Wrexham is having a particular problem um, at the moment. The only one of our neighbours that is significantly lower than us is Shropshire. Um, and even Warrington is roughly level pegging with us. And that's an issue for us, of course, because people will be moving around. And if we're a low point at the moment, we realise that we have a risk of being a high point. We have had a couple of breakouts in the borough. I'm not going to name where they are. It's not fair to do so. They're not near Frodsham, you're glad to know. But the key thing is they are being dealt with. And what does please me is that at least the local authority will take more control. And they are now getting important data even down to postcode level and named level where people are found to have tested positive and on the testing note um, I've been tested twice just there's no reason why I've been negative on both occasions but on each time I've been tested the testing stations I've gone to have been deserted I have cycled past uh, testing stations they have also been deserted one of my family members has gone for testing to a fourth location it has been deserted. So we are sitting with lots of infrastructure. If anybody wants or needs a test, please go and organise it. And if you're interested in how to get one, obviously you can go onto the NHS, but there is also a COVID app, which I encourage everybody to uh, download. It's the COVID symptoms app. And uh, as you can see, I don't know if you can see the figures there, but it's telling me that there have been 1,884 confirmed cases in the UK today. Uh, but also, if you want to sign up to be a volunteer for vaccines, you can do it through this, and I've, I've volunteered to do so. But on the national volunteering aim, which Cheshire West is, can be part of, I have been an NHS volunteer since the matter started. I have put in over 2,000 hours of a potential volunteering service and I haven't been asked to assist once and it's a testament to open hands in Frodsham and the support that this council gave them right at the start that in Frodsham it is the local people that are largely providing the support it is not the national effort that's supporting it's the local effort and I think a lot of thanks and congratulations need to be given to everybody who's been involved in that but um, at the moment for us COVID's awkward COVID's not great but we appear to be coping well. That's it then, Andrew. Uh, can I ask you one about one issue? Um, I see at the was it the cabinet meeting on the seventh of July? They talked about a review of our leisure facilities, and Frodham seems to be the poor relation yet again. Is that right? Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry, I, f I forgot that, and I've been. Uh, will to work, for example, have been pushing to get their facility opened, and I'm, Lynn and I are meeting with the director of leisure, who is also the director of public health. He's the director of public health, has become the director of public health and leisure. I have questioned whether the timing was right for Ian Ashworth to be given those responsibilities. Ian will be meeting Lynn and I uh, to discuss uh, the leisure centre opening as well. I've, I've suggested that there be leisure classes in Castle Park, that's been, will be looked at and taken forward. I've suggested that we use the 3G pitch for um, leisure activities outside. But if you do read the cabinet reports from the 7th of July, you'll see that Frodsham Leisure Centre actually made a £600 profit in the year, which is nothing, but it made a profit. But Cheshire West has decided to open all the other main facilities, including loss-making places such as Neston, um, in preference to Frodsham. And Frodsham is the largest centre that is unopened. 
uh, and that has well Lynn and I have certainly treated it with consternation and are asking searching and diligent questions about it and hopefully in due course the library will be able to open too but uh, the, the issue there is the building needs to uh, be open as a whole so when, when can we expect the consultation to come out on the leisure facilities uh, I don't know, but um, Lynn and I have had about six different strategic reviews of leisure since we became Cheshire West Councillors in 2008-9. Uh, we have made our views very clear to the council that we don't want another down strategic review, we actually want action. Uh, and so Ian will be left under no illusions when he visits us. He's on holiday, I think, this week. We will be seeing him next week. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Can we as a council do something about this? on behalf of all the residents of Project, because if all the uh, leisure uh, fitness places are open, why are we, like you say, not open? That's what he's saying, he's not well, well, can't we do something as, as councillors? Can't we put in a request? Because it's disgraceful, isn't it? Please write to them. Please write to them. Yeah, okay. No. So, are we... Can we reinstate standing orders now? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're all right with that. So it's over to you, Joe, for your report. Uh, I, I have got nothing to add. Good. Um, date of next meeting? Oh, the date of the next meeting is due to be the 21st of September. So I suggest we stick with that. Yeah, okay. Caroline. Sorry, do you need to unmute yourself, Caroline? Unmuted. Right, sorry. Um, I actually did request that I had an item on the, the um, agenda tonight, um, but the clerk told me I was to do it under the clerk's report. Um, it's basically just to give you an all an update on what's been happening with the soldier up on um, the memorial field. Um, as you know, he was reinstated um, and we put the new plaque on and it was, I was taking photographs and that's what the item was on Fodgham Town Council's website to let everyone know who had done all the good work. Unfortunately, he got vandalised again last Tuesday. Um, it would appear that somebody has actually run at him and done probably some sort of karate kick. Um, which is very sad um, because he's been very badly bent. I met Owen up there. I had several long conversations with Owen and we decided to go up and have a look to see if <coughs> the, the actual repair could be carried out on site. Um, he's still not sure whether the repair can be carried out on site, um, but because of the fact that they were concreted in, he was concreted in, it, it's a very big task to take him away. He would have to be cut off and then re-welded on. Um, I'm meeting them again this week. He's going to bring some friends, some mates, and we're going to see if we can very carefully bend him back with some clamps um, and get him straight again. Um, they both, well, they're, they're very upset as to what has happened. And um, 
we have discussed that they need to be moved um, because they are very, very vulnerable where they are situated. Um, we are getting so many problems up there and we're going to have to put them somewhere where they can't be so accessible. Um, there have been a number of suggestions, um, but even Owen said perhaps to put them behind the railings actually at the memorial. Um, so I just wanted to bring you up to speed with what's being done, but we're, we're doing things slowly because it's, it's not something he wants to do quickly. And he doesn't particularly want to have to take them back down, take him back down to the workshop. Um, but I think we do need to decide what we're going to do and where we can move them to. Caroline. Yes. It's quite, it amazes me that the one at the top that Andrew and Lynn supplied at the top of Fluon Lane has never been touched. It's because there are people around it. It's a, it's a, it's a different location. It's, um, you know, yeah. Andrew. A, a couple of things just in relation to the, the Cheshire West Tommy. Of course, that's on a highway verge. I'm sure if you wanted to choose another highway verge or even that one, top of Fluent Lane, uh, Cheshire West, I'm not sure would facilitate, although they did tell me we required planning commission to put that Tommy on top of it. Um, I refused to let my, my members' grant money be used to pay for a planning application to stick that in. I said, you put it in, and if you think it's expedient to take planning, uh, it's planning enforcement action to get rid of it, then please do. Uh, but I don't see it being an issue. And, and they back down. That we won't go to waste uh, members' grant money on that sort of thing. So it, it, do, I've got two additional items I just want to, to raise, if I may, please. One is the charity lands, which I raised earlier in the meeting to say, I, we do need to have a separate meeting on that. And the other point that also I'd asked to have on this agenda, but unfortunately didn't make it, is the neighbourhood plan. I actually think it's sensible that we actually get to see the neighbourhood plan as it is currently drafted, before it goes out anywhere, before it goes anywhere else, so that we are fully informed as to what it says, and crucially, can have a proper influence on what it's going to contain. The likelihood very well be it goes to referendum next May or maybe the May after, who knows? But the key thing is we need to have time and space to be able to put our representations forward. Uh, and, and I think it would be interesting. I've asked to see a copy of the plan as it's currently drafted through all different sources and nobody will provide me with a copy. So I think if we actually say both to Cheshire West and to the planning officers and to the neighbourhood plan steering group, we want to see the draft as it's currently drafted now, because I do think we, we are well overdue a debate on it. And I think it's important that we get our two penneth in before things get locked in stone and sent off for referendum. Yeah, but, uh, I make that request and I, and I I, I actually suggest we, sh we should meet during August. I mean, I think we're going to be meeting on other, other points anyway, but uh, we haven't met for a long time. And it's what's clear tonight is we're all catching up. There's lots of business we want to talk about. And I think it makes sense that we have lots of separate meetings on separate topics so we can have proper debates uh, about these matters. Okay. Yep. Caroline, do you want to say anything on the neighbourhood plan? Well, no, it's up, not up to me, but we're not at a stage where we're still liaising with the planners as to um, the final format. Um, and it, it is very much draft, draft, draft at the moment. It is not in a, in a form that would ever be 
you know, needs to be circulated to anybody. So, um, and we're not obliged to circulate it um, because there is a, a, a formal process that the neighbourhood plan goes through, and that is yeah. what we're adhering to. But no, don't forget, if we go through that formal process, our opportunity to make changes will be very limited. If we want to see changes or improvements made, the time is actually now to get involved before it's crystallised. Uh, and we'll have a greater influence at this point than we will further down the line. Don't forget, FTC puts significant resources into this. Uh, he who pays the piper calls the tune, to at least to the extent of the courtesy of saying, do you mind awfully sharing your thoughts with us? Could I just add that, you know, everybody's had the opportunity to, you can come to the meetings. You know, when we had the meetings, you, people were permitted to come to them. We're at the stage now where... Sorry? I look forward to the invitation. Well, no, this, if we won't give personal invitations, Andrew, um, I mean, those, those meetings have been and gone. We've done lots of consultations. This has been going on for five years. All the ones... Let's go back to the town council. <laughs> okay, is anybody Bernie? Yeah, I think as we we have been funding this, I do think we need to um, to see what's been going on behind the scenes. And I personally did attend a meeting once, and can honestly say that I was not welcomed one little bit. It was a horrible experience. Well, I, I think it's the, I'm not sure exactly what our title is, but we are the commissioning council for the neighbourhood plan. So at some level, we are do have overall responsibility for it. So I think, yes, it, it, we are getting to the time where the council does need to see the draft plan before it goes through any processes where we, you know, it's too late to make uh, any observations on it. Mally, then Deborah. Yeah, just to say that I didn't have a bad experience like Bernie. When we first started, and I think you went to a couple as well, Judith, we were made more than welcome. But I was always told, and Caroline can correct me if I'm wrong, that it wasn't to be a council-led thing. It was to be the neighbourhood-led. And we were to stand aside, if you like. But if it wasn't for the likes of Caroline and Liam, we wouldn't have got as far as we've got now and it has taken a long time. I, I, I think yes I mean certainly it was meant to be or it has been community-led but it, the, the, the starting point is we couldn't have a neighbourhood plan without Frodsham Town Council commissioning the neighbourhood plan so we are in some aspects some respects responsible for it. Um, sorry Deborah and then Bill. Um, I'd just like to add the, um, the same as Bernie, really. I did attend a meeting and I wasn't welcomed, along with other neighbours as well. Um, and I would like to know what, what, what the draft is, really, what's in it. Okay. Bill? Yes, I think uh, it does no harm to find out, no matter how rough the draft is, the general idea and the general items yes. that are proposed so we can assess them, see if there's anything missing, or if there's something we don't agree with. So I don't see the problem in seeing what there is and see if we need to add or adapt something to our taste, if I can call it that way, for our 
constituents. Yeah. Can, I, can I just add that this is all very much evidence-based. Um, all the work that's been put into it um, has, is, has got all the evidence that will substantiate what is being, you know, what, what is in a neighbourhood plan. There's nothing that's, um, you know, going to be something just because it's a personal thing. It is because we have got the evidence and we've had consultants assist in certain aspects of it. Yeah. Phil, did you want to speak on it? I'm just thinking that I can't see why we, we can't just have a, ask Joe to request, request that we see a copy of whatever's there now. Simple as that. Yeah. Okay, you're happy to do that then, Joe. Transparency would be good. Sorry? Yeah, transparency would be would be quite useful. I've been quite intrigued for quite a while to know what's going on. I've also been to a meeting and been made to not feel particularly welcome. Yes, I will request that. Uh, just to confirm, I, I don't have a copy either, so I will have to uh, request from the working group. Yeah, okay, lovely. Thanks for that. Um, are we done then, everybody? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay, then, that's meeting closed, 9.05. Thanks, Joe. Thank Thanks you. Thanks very much. Bye. Cheers, Joe.